Are you having a hard time finding a good book to read about Twin Peaks? Did you finish binge-watching Twin Peaks in quarantine, and now you're looking for more? If so, we have the book for you. Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the book. Based off the popular show from the 1990s, read about the making of each episode from over 100 cast and crew members. This book covers Season 1, Season 2, Firewalk With Me, and Season 3. But wait, there's more! This book has commentary from the community and the host from the wildly popular podcast Twin Peaks Unwrapped. Order now! Supplies are very limited. Go to bluerosemag.com today. Good evening. We are about to unfold a show featuring David Letterman. A man of science who sought to create a show after his own image without reckoning upon God. It's one of the strangest tales ever told. I think it will thrill you. It may shock you. It might even horrify you. So if any of you feel that you don't care to subject your nerves to such a strain, now's your chance to... Well, we've warned you. From the power of electricity in the Red Room, it's Twin Peaks Unwrapped. Tonight, from the Blue Rose Magazine and promoting his new book, The Last Days of Letterman, Scott Ryan. Musical guest, John Mayer, featuring Paul Schaefer and the world's most dangerous band. Kyle McLaughlin's understudies in Showgirls, Ben and Brian. And welcome to Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Ben Durant. Beside me is... Brian Kazaska. And we are on the show today with Scott Ryan. Hey, Scott. Hello, Twin Peaks boys. How are you guys? Great. Doing fantastic. What have you been up Listen, to? Listen, I can't, no, I can't even wait that long. Listen <laughs> to me. I am concerned, and I got to know right now. Brian, please tell me you signed a prenup and that your new wife is not going to get half of Twin Peaks unwrapped and breaks this <laughs> apart. I just got to know that everything's safe with Twin Peaks unwrapped. Everything is safe. I had her sign a prenup saying she oh. cannot Yoko Ono. The podcast. Although I was, uh, I, although she's getting to the point where we're not allowed to go out uh, in too many. I think we're only allowed to go on one event uh, a month. <laughs> with, it's in the contract. <laughs> one event with, a month with, with the festival of disruption, and then we went to uh, New York again for the uh, split screens event, and I think that was too much. So uh, we have to cut down on our. Yeah, event. Yeah. Uh, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> 
This was my fear. I see this notification <laughs> pop up on Facebook. 70 people are saying, congratulations, Brian. Congratulations. And all I'm thinking is, prenup. Prenup. No, no, she's she's very supportive. She's she's uh, been very good. She's put up with it for nine years. And nine years at it is it feels like nine years. I, I've been together it's for nine years. Podcast, you're uh, confusing. You just did nine years of work in two years. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. But sometimes I, I feel we, like we I know even, Ben more than uh, my wife. Oh uh, no, don't let her, she better not hear this show. <laughs> She's not going to hear this. I know we just said, we was I we didn't really, That's we, right. They they don't listen. They no. don't listen. They don't, they don't care. A few weeks ago we we actually went past our 3 year anniversary. We didn't even bring it up. We didn't even oh, mention yeah. it. Stuff. Happy 3 year we anniversary. Our 5 year <laughs> anniversary, anniversary and bring it up. <laughs> So, Scott, uh, what have you been up to lately? What you, what's going on within your life? Well, so much is going on, and um, I, I just feel like we have to start out this way. We have so much to cover, and I get that. But the question is, do you guys have your email with you? Yes, our email's open. I just open. sent you an email. Yes. Check the email, and this is what I've been up to. What? It's a lookalike. <laughs> I, we, we got <laughs> to say Scott Ryan is posing with Cheryl Lee, which I have oh to imagine you're gosh. in L.A. Maybe yes, she, she looks like she LA. looks like I'm being he- held captive. captive. <laughs> She's holding a sign that says, please help me call 911. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Your, your dreams have come. True. Wow. So tell us everything. Everything. So- this is funny because I'm gonna I've start been crying on this. I'm going to start <laughs> crying. Ben's so, crying, so, Scott. I'm very t- I'm very moved for you. I um and you know, I could not tell anyone. I've kept this a complete secret, but it's been weighing on me. I've only kept things from you guys twice. One was when we were starting the Blue Rose and it was killing me. And then that I finally met Cheryl Lee. And I feel like you guys have always been there telling me that I'm going to meet oh. Cheryl Lee and it's oh. going to happen. And um, it it did, and issue eight of the Blue Rose will be the interview that I've been oh, waiting to have. My wow. gosh, you it, it you stalked her, you you sent emails and letters, and <laughs> <laughs> if I should, if you'll just leave me alone, I'll do, I'll do the interview. <laughs> Um, it is funny because I don't have her contact information, so I may never be able to uh, meet up with her again. What? But, so how um, did you get a hold of her? Like, without contact information, it was just... Well, I, it was through someone else. Okay. And they set it up for me to, wow. to happen. And Very nice. So um, the interview is exactly what I always dreamed of. I mean, I got to ask her all the questions I wanted to. This is an interview that I think... Twin Peaks fans, I don't know. I, I, maybe it's just because I've wanted it for so long. But I mean, it was great. She hmm. was. She talked about everything. She answered all of my questions. We went through Firewalk with me. Um, I'm man enough to say that both of us cried three times in the interview. Aww. Wow! Like, isn't that crazy? Yeah. I mean, because we were really getting into Laura Palmer, mostly with uh, Firewalk with me and all the abuse that Laura goes through. She was a, a magical person. It was the greatest, it was it. So what I'm uh, here to say is the Blue Rose is done. I'm over it. <laughs> <laughs> I can care less. 
<laughs> I don't care if we ever do another thing. Uh, I got my Cheryl Lee interview. To hell with Twin Peaks. I'm out of here. Goodbye. <laughs> That's how I feel for uh, for Twin Peaks Unwrap. I was like, I got to shake uh, David Lynch's hand. I got to shake Kyle McLaughlin's hand. Those are the people. I those are those four people I wanted to meet. It was Mark Frost, Sheryl uh, and Fenn. David Lynch and Kyle McLaughlin, and I've met them all. So what else is there to do? Let's How's him on the show? We have an interview. Oh, man, Scott, I'm so happy for you. Yeah, that is, that is that something. That is wild. And I know people can't see what we're seeing, but you see the two of you guys, uh, you know, uh, uh, hugging. And it's a beautiful picture of the two of you together. There. Is this uh, photo, will it appear in the magazine so everybody can see? Well, you know, I have to get things through John Thorne. Um, he's a little more... I hate to say professional because I don't want to put me down, but uh, more prim and proper, let's say, mm. than me. But I would like to do a side piece that goes along with the interview. The interview was super long. I think we talked for two and a half hours. Wow. So it's really a long interview, and I got to fit that in. But she's going to be on the cover of issue eight, and it's going to be the main part. But I'd like to do a sidebar just about the personal aspect of it for me, because this really was everything to me. Like, I mean, I've wanted this for like 28 years now or whatever it is. Yeah, it yeah. takes 28 years. When did you see Laura Palmer? Was it like 15? Like, when's the first time you've seen the actress? How old was I? Yeah. Were you... When I first met her, I was 20, or when I first discovered her, I was 21. 21, okay. Wow. Uh... And so now I'm 48, so it's been... Uh, you know, and I didn't know if we were going to get the interview until an hour before it happened because she wasn't sure if she was going to be able to make it. And, you know, I'm always a pessimist. So I was like, it's fallen through a million times. It's not going to happen. And then it did. I'm just so excited to share this with the world. But I also was really excited to keep it with me. You know, I didn't post the picture on Facebook. I didn't talk about it with anyone. Nobody knows. I mean, mm. I'm, I'm coming out now because it's been killing me not to tell you guys. And I'm like, I want to share it with Ben and Brian. I should be breaking this story on my own. <laughs> well, thank you, Scott. No, because you guys have always been so supportive of me. I'm like, I want to come on uh, here and, and capture your guys' excitement because... It was great. And the great wow. thing is you, you got to meet her in person. So it's not like, I it's know. not even like a phone interview. It's like you're actually there with yeah, That's nerve wracking. Oh my crazy. God. Yeah. Well, you know, I really, it was, it was funny because I held it together. Um, Courtney was with me, Courtney Stallings, who's our editor of the Blue Rose. And afterwards she said, I had never seen Scott that subdued in his life. <laughs> and I was like, I can hold it together. And yeah. I really, you know, I was very focused because it mattered to me that it, you know, she doesn't know I wanted to meet her forever oh, and all yeah. those things. I, want, I wanted to get past that part. You know what I mean? And yeah. get the information that I always wanted to have. Because to me, the main thing was... How did she create Laura Palmer in Firewalk with me in a way that no other actress has has been? And I even asked her that question. I said, I've seen other actresses cry. We all have. Mm -hmm. But the way you're crying under that bush, that's not like movie acting. Like, how did you do that? And then how did you live the rest of your life after you hit that high? Yeah. And it was in conversations like that that she would really get teary-eyed just going back to that. I mean, you could tell 
that Laura Palmer means to her what we think Laura Palmer means to us, if that sentence makes sense. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know yeah, if we really ever talked mad. to her, I'd love to. I mean, I feel like she really did shape Firewalk with me. And I'm sh- I bet your interview really does get to that answer. Like, did she really, was it her influence that kind of shaped mm. the movie? You know, she won't take any of that. And, and I went at her a couple times in different ways. And she always moves it to David Lynch. Always. Whatever wow. question, when I would say, like, how did you, she, her answer is always, well, David is the reason. Okay. Like, you do it for David. Like, he knows how to bring that out. And, you know, she would talk about how he sometimes would just come next to her and just say nothing. Just sit right next to her. And then they'd say, let's do it again. And then she could do it. Yeah. Wow. So there's something between the two of them. Yeah. And maybe I made this up in my head, but for some reason I thought she was in, was part of the reason that the angels were even part of the, the story of Firewalk with Me. Because in the original script, there was no angels. And we've asked Bob Angles, and he doesn't know where the angels came from. And, it, and I, in my head, I guess I always thought, well, maybe she had some influence. Like, I, I thought maybe she said to David Lynch, like, it's too dark. We need some kind of uplifting thing. And From I, what I, I did not specifically ask her about the angel, um, but from what I could get from her, she doesn't ask David anything. In mm-hmm. fact, when I asked her questions about Carrie Page and um, season three, she said she learned a long time ago, probably back in the pilot, you don't ask David. Yeah. <laughs> like, you don't, you don't say this should be this way. You just do it. Mm-hmm. You do what he did. So I would be really shocked if Cheryl Lee brought those angels in. I'm yeah. sure it was lunch. Right. Yeah, and I look at those at the season three uh, documentary, and like David Lynch gives her things to do, and she says, "Okay, you want me to do that? You want me to walk backwards, talk backwards?" <laughs> but <laughs> she does it. And she does it. Yeah. Uh, I'm so happy it, for you, yeah, Scott. It was crazy because she didn't know that that documentary existed. So huh. when I first asked her some questions from the behind the scenes, she was like. She kind of looked at me strange. She's like, I can't talk about that. And I'm like, oh, it's on the. (laughs) It's out. Like, you don't have to worry about it. Oh, wow. uh, You're not giving away some secret anymore. Like, we saw you film how you did it. So, wow. Uh, So happy. How long? And so, how long ago was this that you had got the interview? February 24th. What? You've been holding out on us all this time? Wow. <laughs> Come it was on. Twin Peaks Day. It was actually on Twin Peaks Day. It was February 24th. Wow. wow. I cannot believe you've been it, holding this for me I this know. long. Well, good for well, you. Good for you. No, I mean, I really, nobody knows. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't tell anyone this is the coming out of it and um, couldn't do it till the November issue. Yeah. So because it was so long, it really needs a lot of pages. And, you know, we there's a very short Q&A that Courtney did with um, Cheryl Lee just about the women of Lynch. It's a one pager that's in seven. And then we'll have a little thing that says to read the interview of Scott's lifetime (laughs) will be in full in issue eight. So you could have had this on your 150th show of the Red Room podcast. Like, wouldn't that have been a great show? No, I wanted to share with you guys. Because <laughs> That's so sweet. Thank you. That's you awesome. guys have always been great to me, and I was like, I knew how I wanted this to work out because it was really personal to me. And and that's what I kind of want to write about, which I know we don't really do in the Blue Rose, and I haven't really decided. But it it was 
it was a strange day. Um, and it was, it's weird to get your dream come true. I mean, maybe it says something about me that that was my life stream. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I did get my dream to come true. And that, awesome. I mean, that doesn't happen really. No. Where, where do you go from there once you, your dream comes true? I mean, like, yeah. Well, it's kind of, I know, like it is, it is hard. But like you say, I mean, to get a Kyle interview would be spectacular. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's gets out there, but this was the one I'd been waiting for. My fellow Americans, our long national nightmare is over. 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 Letterman is retiring. You're just kidding, right? So, you know, you're so passionate about Twin Peaks and you got this dream come true, but you have other passions, one being uh, David Letterman, and you've got a book coming out soon. Do you want to talk about that, Scott? Yes. I'm so excited about this book. I've been working on it since last July, and it's been a gift for me to work on it on the off months of the Blue Rose, because kind of the way we do the Blue Rose is we're sort of two months on, one month off. Mm -hmm. And on that one month off, I was totally immersing myself in the world of David Letterman. And that sort of helped keep Twin Peaks fresh for me as well. And I did over 20 interviews with staffers of his show. And a lot of these people have never given an interview in their life. I even talked all the way down to the HR person of Worldwide Pants. That is awesome. So, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a very complete look at the final six weeks of David Letterman's show. It's spread out in an episode guide of the last 28 episodes with um, chapters in between that focus on things like Dave's monologue, Johnny Carson, the top 10 list, the Ed Sullivan Theater. So you kind of the book kind of gives you some breaks where you read a bunch of episodes. Then you have a break on a different Dave topic. That's awesome. I, I'm very excited for this um, this book, Scott. When you announced it, I was like, I am there. I'm I'm a huge Letterman fan. Not as big as you are. You are like a huge Letterman fan. But um, my boss is also a huge Letterman fan, and he talks about Letterman nonstop. And we watch clips on YouTube of Letterman nonstop. <laughs> Um, well, that that do better buy my damn book. Uh, yes, I, and you know, I was thinking I might buy him a copy. Um, he would like oh, that. Like that. Up. I like the way you're thinking. Yeah, he he would like it a lot. One question though, uh, Ben and myself were talking about this before. We, you know, we had 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 you on today. Um, ben was saying to himself, like, "Hey, I would really like to see these episodes." And I was like, you know, CBS kind of clean the slate of Letterman. When Colbert took over, YouTube, they scrubbed all the episodes. They threw away his set, which I thought was ridiculous. Um, and you can't find Letterman online unless someone illegally put it there. Is this true, Scott? It is true, but it is not CBS's fault. So the thing that was different about Dave that in my opinion, will never happen again in pop culture is that Dave owned the late show with David Letterman. So mm -hmm. it is actually worldwide pants, which is Dave's company. 
they pulled the show. And in fact, when I talked to the vice president of CBS Late Night Programming, he thought that they were going to get at least reruns from that summer. Because I don't know if you remember, but Dave ended in May and then Colbert started in September. And they thought for that summer they would be able to do like the classic episodes of Dave. I thought so. And they didn't even want that. They just wanted to pull it. So when it was done, it was done. Um, Now, there are there's a guy named Don Geller who is like, you know, the Ben and Brian of Letterman uh, (laughs) from the the Lynch side. But he has all the episodes and he has a great YouTube channel. And um, you can see most of those final episodes. I think when the book comes out and people read it, in fact, sometimes in the book, I say, go to YouTube now and watch this clip and then come back and Ah. read the rest because you do need to experience some of the musical performances especially. Yeah, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to have your book and kind of watch the episodes. Mm. I thought, like, I was willing to pay, like, you know, some of the, I thought, like, The Daily Show, I think you can download episodes. So I was like, But oh, Comedy I'll... Central owns that. Yeah, but yeah. I thought, wouldn't it be great to watch Letterman and read the book and go along with it? And... Yeah, CBS really screwed up. Um, I mean, without, or, you or, know. Or maybe Letterman screwed up in that he, he could make it available if he chose to. Yeah. I think Letterman could, but I think... I don't know if you happen to see him on the Netflix show with Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, Jerry was basically beating up Dave, telling him, like, you matter. You were a cultural icon, and Dave doesn't view himself that way. And Mm -hmm. that was the funny part of working on the book is that all of the people I talked to also had that mentality where they were like, why do you want to talk to me? And this isn't interesting. And really, you want (laughs) to know about this? And here I'm, like, dying over each tidbit that they're giving me. And I'm like, no, people really do want to know this. So I think Dave doesn't realize how much people want to see those episodes because I think they don't think it was as good. Yeah. Wow. He's, he always came across as, well, he's sly, sarcastic, but a very kind of humble. Near After his heart attack especially, he seems more uh, calm but more humble and more gracious than before. Yeah. And, and you know, no, but it's funny when I've been on uh, promoting the book – People have been asking me, well, what's the dirt? And I'm like, there isn't any. Hmm. Like, these people love Dave. He really made people feel such loyalty to him. And uh, to tie it back to Twin Peaks, it reminds me of how people talk about David Lynch. I mean, I feel like there are certain artists that people would just do anything for. Yeah. I think Letterman is one of them. Yeah. And so... You got to interview all these people. Can you share something that you learned through these interviews that maybe you didn't know before? Well, I think that what I learned the most was how supportive Dave was. Like, I would say everyone had a story about because most of them worked for Dave for like 20 to 30 years. And they would say like, oh, you know, my I had a family emergency and Dave was there. He said, take the time. He would help people financially. If you wanted to go back to school, they would pay for it. The um, one guy told me a story about how when they were at NBC, NBC wouldn't give them health care benefits because they were too low in the chain. Dave paid. So Dave put them on health. Like he paid for it. They wanted to do this goodbye party that at the Friars Club and 
they didn't want to bother Dave with it because they didn't think Dave would care and they wanted everyone who worked there. So we're like, well, what if everyone puts in 50 bucks like a high school reunion and we'll just have a party? And so they were planning this when Dave found out he paid for the whole party. And so I think he was a really, he might be a personal private person, but I think he was a generous person as well. Yeah. Yeah. I had an interesting question. I was talking to Ben. I'm like, ooh, this would be good. When, Scott, what was the first time you saw Letterman, and what was the thing that got you, that you you fell up in love with the man? Like, what was, what, what did it for you? Well, I, honestly, I, I don't remember the first time I saw him because it was too many years ago. But mm. I kind of remember what happened. And basically, it was the summer between my junior and senior year of high school. Dave was still on NBC. He was on at 1230. I used to stay up and watch Johnny Carson with my dad because it was summertime and you know you thought you were super cool because you're mm. staying up late <laughs> and my dad loved Johnny Carson and so I pretended to love Johnny Carson and I do love Johnny now but at 16 I it just didn't get the jokes mm-hmm. but when Dave came on I was I got the jokes like Dave was more my level mm-hmm. and it just became this habit for me And by the time Dave went to CBS, I was probably 23. And from then on, I watched every episode. It just was, he was my TV friend. I mean, that's what I did every day. Wow. When I was younger, I watched it at night. And then when I had kids, I set it up on the VCR. Uh, For your young listeners, there used to be this machine (laughs) called VCR that you would program and then watch it on a actual tape it was crazy (laughs) and so i just had my vcr for uh, who knows like 15 years program monday through friday 11 30 to 12 37 um and i left that tape in i put the tape in on monday and it would be there so even if i got behind you would just go through the tape and watch it and i did that for his entire cbs run wow so it was hard for me to lose dave in 2015 it's so crazy. It was only 2015. It feels like forever ago. Yeah. But it really wasn't. Um, you know, my mom got me into Dave Letterman, probably middle school. I, I, Scott, you might remember, it was like MSNBC or one of the other affiliates to NBC would run reruns of Letterman like at 5 or 6 or 7 o'clock. Um, they did that with Conan later on where they were – the next day, it would be on MSNBC at 7 o'clock. It would be last night's Conan. And they did this with Letterman for one summer that I remember. Yeah, you're mom, 100% right. Okay. And my mom would watch it. She loved Letterman. And she let me watch it. And I remember, like, whatever, every night I was looking forward to it. I saw they showed the episode when he jumped and stuck himself to the wall with the Velcro and throwing stuff off the roof, like all that stuff. I'm like, this this guy's awesome. And then when I got into high school, I would stay up late, think I was cool. I had a TV in my room, and I started watching Letterman on my own. And um, I think one of the characters that always stood out to me, and I'm sure you'll remember, Manny the Hippie. Now, Manny the Hippie, he was on the CB, Was I think he was part of the CBS I- 
time. I would say, it's hard for me to say, but to me that sounds, I remember him, but I would think it would be NBC. Was it NBC? But it could be. But I remember. 96 would have been CBS. Okay. So I remember Manny the Hippie. We went at Haight-Ashbury with our uh, videotape crew and we met a very nice hippie by the name of Manny and we spent the day with that fellow. Watch here now, our day with hippies. hippie i'm more like i'm like today's version of a hippie smoke a lot of weed yeah yeah you're loaded now no i'm totally sober when when you're really loaded what do you say i'm really loaded or i'm toasted or i'm wrecked or i'm smashed what do you say i'm stoned stoned you know maybe we we ought to do here just you and me take a couple of seconds to space out you want to do that okay yeah, I space out all the time. All right, let's space out. <laughs> you know, so Brian's talking about the past, but which is interesting about your book is it really is staying s- strictly in those six weeks. So you don't go into the past of all these years, right, Scott? You're really strictly Correct. are focused. And, you know, the reason that I did that is because just what he's saying, like Manny the hippie, um, that's something that stuck with Brian. You know, I kind of remember it, but I, it doesn't I, – I don't really – specifically remember and the thing is is that there's 33 years like the book would be so long it would you would never have it so my plan for this book was to just focus on those last 28 episodes and in doing so I feel like you get a peek at his larger career because you can drill all the way down yeah, yeah. Oh, so much. And you're saying, and, and that six weeks really was the start of he announces that he's done, right? And so you have those last weeks. Well, he announced it a year in advance. Oh, okay. But they didn't say when. So you, he just announced one night on TV, I'm retiring. Uh, earlier today, the man who owns this uh, network, Leslie Moonves, he and I have had a relationship for years and years and years. And we've had this conversation in the past, and we agreed that we would work together uh, on this circumstance and the timing of this circumstance. And I phoned him just before the program, and I said, Leslie, it's been great. You've been great. The network has been great. But I'm retiring. This is really? Yep. This is true. This is, uh, you actually did this? Yes, I did. Wow. Well... <laughs> Do I, have a, do I have a minute to call my accountant? Because <laughs> I... Uh... <laughs> so so it, uh, I just want to uh, reiterate my thanks and, and uh, for the support from the network. All of the people who have worked here, all of the people uh, in the theater, all the people on the staff, everybody at home, uh, thank you very much. And uh, what this means now is that uh, Paul and I can be married. So we, <laughs> we, do, we don't have the, uh, the timing of this precisely down. It will be, I'm, I think, at least a year or so, but sometime in the not too, too distant future, 2015, for the love of God. Yeah, in fact, uh, Paul and I will be wrapping things up and uh, taking a hike. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thanks for the gas. So I start the book with asking everyone, how did you find out that Dave was going to retire? And basically, I piece together that day 
when Dave announced his retirement a year earlier. Oh. And then the next chapter jumps to the final six weeks. And the reason I focused on that is because they had a dark week of reruns. And then when they came back, that really began the hard countdown to this is the end. And what was that like in general? I mean, so you had – basically, I'm sure Letterman just got the guest he really wanted. And it seems like it was a party, like, for the last six weeks, really, of just celebrating – the show. Yeah, I mean, what was cool is that they brought back so many friends of the show and like Bill Murray and Tom Hanks and Julia Roberts and George Clooney and all of Michael Keaton is like someone who's really good friends with Dave. So they had a great talk and Howard Stern and Jerry Seinfeld. It's just like this parade of guests. And the reason that it mattered to me is <clears throat> at the time, of course, it mattered, but it was hard to see it objectively. I ended up re-watching it in 2017, and that's when I really started working on the book. And what I had noticed is that these people were coming on the show just to talk, hmm. and they were really having a conversation with Dave, and that is so gone from our society. Yeah. Like, we don't look each other in the eye and communicate and share our feelings because you can't, you're just like, look at this meme and, you know, or <laughs> politics. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it's so funny to me. It's hard to go out with people where they're not like, what? You didn't see this video? Look at this. Like, yeah. minute, I'm going to watch TV while sitting next to you. And, <laughs> you know, like, why can't we just sit here and talk? Yep. And so that's really what sparked the book for me, because obviously as a podcaster, you know, talking is <laughs> what I do. To have that slip away from our society, I wanted to just take this moment and say, you know, this is what television can be. And it's right here. And you could do it even outside of Dave being an icon. Yeah. Uh, Letterman, when he interviewed somebody, it was it was good. They talked about their family. They would talk about interesting things. And he would give it back to the guests if he didn't agree especially when Bill O'Reilly would be on or something like that. Right. And I love those. I, I miss that in late night television because it really now is just a manufactured, I got a movie to promote, I got a show to promote, I'll talk a quick antidote about my kid, and then I'm off. And right. nobody's really doing it like Letterman. Well, and what's interesting is when an actor came on those final six weeks and did that and – you know, when I talked to the person who booked the show, Sheila Rogers, she said, well, because we weren't sure when the show was ending, some interviews were planned way early because they might say, hey, this movie's coming out. Yeah. So they booked them on Letterman nine months early. Wow. When those people came on and they just plugged their movie, it's so obvious. Yeah. And, you know, on another show, it would be fine, but it, it it's so glaring what they did. And I don't. I try not to call people out in the book in that way, but those are people I just kind of gloss over. Um, I tried to just focus on when people paid tribute to Dave, and those are the parts that are in the book because it's it's the idea being this is when they left the show. This yeah. is their goodbye today. So if you didn't give a goodbye, and you know the crazy one is President Bill Clinton was on, and he doesn't even mention that Dave's leaving. Oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, it's nice that you showed up, right. but that's crazy to me. That like, is crazy. You really have not one person that said, hey, by the way, everyone's kind of doing a thing because this guy's leaving TV. I don't know. 
That's interesting. It, now, do you? Me- I, I don't know if you mentioned this in the book or not. Now, I know him and Carson had a special relationship. And correct me if I'm wrong. I know there were some jokes that Carson would give Letterman for monologue secretly, and but it came out. I don't remember if that happened near the end of Letterman when he was on the air. He used some of these jokes. Carson. So, yeah, you are right. Okay. Um, and I do have a chapter in the book about Dave and Johnny because one of the craziest things to me is that I got to interview Michael Berry and Jim Mulholland. They wrote Johnny Carson's monologues wow. s- since 1970, which was the year I was born. Jeez. So they've been writing comedy since I've been on the planet. <laughs> and they wrote the Oscars for Johnny, and then they went over to write for Dave. So they tell some great Carson stories that I put in the book in that chapter. And one of the things is that Johnny, when he retired, he still wanted to write jokes. That's what Johnny loved. And he would send these to Dave and they never told anyone. And Dave would send him like a $40 check (laughs) to Johnny Carson for (laughs) what you got. And they said that Johnny loved these checks. He was so happy. And The one guy told me he was having lunch with Johnny Carson and Johnny was like, I wrote a great joke about Liza Minnelli and Dave didn't use it. It was a solid good joke. (laughs) And this guy is like looking at Johnny Carson who like cut so many of his jokes, talking to him about trying to get a joke. I'm like, yeah, now you know what it's like. (laughs) So it is pretty cool. But Dave didn't announce it until his show the the week after Johnny Carson died. He did a whole hour about Johnny, and and that's the first time Dave told anyone, which, again, total class. I mean, he could have been telling people for years, hey, Johnny Carson's writing jokes for me, but he kept it quiet. That's that's total class. And it that just shows, you know, the late night wars when um, obviously Letterman should have gotten the NBC late night show. But Jay Leno got it. I don't know why, but, you know, that just shows those two had a very close connection. Yeah, I mean, and I think that Dave, I think it was Bill Sheff says in my book, and Bill Sheff actually wrote the foreword to my book, which is crazy. He wrote Dave's monologue for like 24 years, and he's writing something for me. Like, I I mean, that's a hard thing for me to get over. Wow. Um, But he mentioned that Dave looked up to Johnny so much, but when Bill would say, hey, Adam Sandler feels that way about you, or Norm MacDonald, you know, Dave wouldn't even hear it. He was like, no, 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 I, that's, I'm not Johnny Carson. And just couldn't think that people thought of him that way. But he was. He truly was. Well, yeah, to me. I mean, yeah. like, the, he, I love Johnny. I, I mean, but he wasn't Letterman. Yeah. I mean, I think Letterman was Johnny to a lot of folks. Um, yeah, to me, too. He was my Johnny Carson in a way. A lot of bad stuff happened with that whole whole thing. And I'm glad CBS picked him up. I think CBS was very smart. One of the things that I did in the book that I absolutely love is the person that you mentioned who ended up getting The Tonight Show after Johnny Carson, who I don't name. Um, <laughs> his name is not in my book at all. I There's like that. No the, there are no other talk show hosts mentioned in this book except Johnny, Jack Parr, Steve Allen, and David Letterman. So if you were before Dave, there are different things that tied them to them that I had to tie together. But all of the new hosts, 
I don't mention any of them because this book isn't about that. This is a tribute to David Letterman and other people don't need to be in there. I like that. That's good. You also bring up like the musical guest. Like that was really interesting. Like David Letterman had a big say in the last six weeks of who the uh, musical guests were. Yeah, I mean, that's really the only say he wanted to have, Uh, which to me tells a lot. And it was something that I didn't notice in 2015. But when I studied the show... In 2017, you start to realize that he was picking these songs to say goodbye uh, and to say how he felt about leaving in a way like he he wanted to hear the song Keep on the Sunny Side, which is like this old gospel kind of deep south song that you just wouldn't think you would never hear it on tv now and Mm. so he had brandy carlisle and the avid brothers sing it and at the time i just thought oh maybe brandy and avid brothers sing that song live in concert or something but no it was dave said i want to hear keep on the sunny side or this may the circle be unbroken and stand by me in america by paul simon and art garfunkel And he was telling a story through the music. And I think that's another thing that I sort of bring up through the book. And you uh, posted, which I hadn't even seen before. I think you had posted on Twitter at some point, American Pie. Who was that? Was it John? Uh, John Mayer. Mayer. Can Can you share with us that story? I mean, that is just incredible. And um, basically, Dave wanted to hear American Pie. So he told his music booker, I want to hear American Pie, the whole song. And she's like... (laughs) It's eight minutes. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I want to hear all of it. So she, it was her job. Her name is Cheryl Zellickson, who like went on to win Billboard's Music Person of the Year. And like I got to interview her. Like wow. it was crazy the people that I got to talk to. And they wanted to talk about it because they loved the experience. But she had to find someone to do this. So she reached out to John Mayer's people and she was like, she thought he might be good and he was a friend of the show he was on a lot of thanksgiving shows and they were trying to have people back who meant something to the show so she said to the agent like dave wants to hear american pie and he wants to hear the whole thing would john be willing to learn (laughs) the song and she said like within an hour she heard back and he was like yep he'll do it he wants to do it in this key he'll work it out And he came in with Paul Schaefer and learned this entire song. And it's more than that because, you know, when you have a music guest on a show, that's at the end of the show where they put those commercials in. Mm -hmm. You know, if you watch late night TV, once you get past midnight, it is chock full of commercials. Well, they had to redo the show in a different way because now you have an eight minute segment going off at, you know, 1225. Yeah. And those were just some of the things that they had to deal with the network and, and planning out the show. And all the staff thought, this is a horrible idea. Like, <laughs> who wants to hear this song? And I think almost every person picked it as their favorite musical moment. And they all came down and watched it. And it is a moving thing to just watch this guy, like, kick off. And just think about that idea of having Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel or someone have um, Megan Trainer come on and <laughs> sing Let It Be or something yeah. for no good reason other than they want to hear the song. Oh. Mm. Um, it just doesn't happen. And, and 
that's why I wanted to do the book is to capture this moment in history. So a cool thing that happened was I was asked by the president uh, or the vice president of late night programming at CBS to host a David Letterman podcast. Wow. It's going to be called The Art of Letterman. We just have a promo episode one that we are all signing off on. It's going to be done through the University of Monmouth, which is in New Jersey. They're going to sponsor the podcast and the students are going to record it. So I'm going to be in charge of students. That's how (laughs) screwed up the world has become. That is awesome. Um, And so I guess we're going to go to like L.A. and New York and interview like people who guested on Late Night with David Letterman and writers and, and comedians and all kinds of things. It's supposed to start up recording in the fall. Actually, while we've been talking, I just saw some emails pop up where they're trying to set up some interviews and I'm just going to go around and interview these people and then the students are going to edit it together, kind of like the serial podcast. Nice. Where it's a bunch of things in one episode instead of just like one person in an episode. It's going to be spread out. Because it's a class about podcasting, and that's what they're going to learn. And then it's going to come out in 2019. So, awesome. I mean, that I look forward to could that. be huge. Yeah. Nice. It's awesome. I mean, that's been amazing. Like, if that can just work out, that could really help sell the book. So people can get the book at lastdaysofletterman.com. It's going to come out the first week of November in bookstores. I'm pretty sure America does not want regular person to write a book and get them in bookstores. They're really strict about that. Hmm. They want you to be with a corporation, but we think that we have found a way. So we're very close. We're supposed to find out tomorrow for sure. But either way, it's on sale at the website and It'll probably come out to people who buy it on the website before November, but I think it'll be in bookstores in November. A great Christmas gift. Yeah. Also talk about that this is a new company. It's called Fayetteville Mafia Press, and it's me and David Bushman. We have this new publishing company, and we are going to be focusing on television books. There's some cool Twin Peaks books coming up, and who knows what other kind of exciting Twin Peaks books we'll be able to to do but this is gonna sort of be my next step well congratulations on a new you're uh, you're getting into the publishing business this here great that's really exciting boy i mean all your dreams are coming <laughs> true here right i, mean, <laughs> I know it, it has been i've i've been very very lucky this year i mean it all starts with twin peaks for me and i know that's crazy and everyone keeps asking me what my next book is going to be And I really, I want to write a Twin Peaks book, but not what you would imagine a Twin Peaks book would be. Like, I I don't want to say if Cooper's dreaming all of season three or, Mm. you know, why Evelyn Marsh is the most seminal character in all television history. (laughs) I want to write about our friendships that we've made through Mm. Twin Peaks and the experience that I've had that this TV show has shaped my life and put me in touch with people like you guys and Bushman and Maya and Courtney Mm. and John Thorne. Like, I I mean, I'm, I'm friends with John Thorne. That's crazy to me. That's awesome. More than friends, you're partners. I know. (laughs) And I mean, and it's all from this TV show Uh, and I've been trying to think of a way, like if that's interesting, I think it's anyone besides me on this path that I can so easily tie directly to, to the words of, David Lynch and Mark Frost. Sounds yeah. good. You should do it when yeah. you have some free time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, this is definitely where Stephen Beckett worked. 
No, this is where they buried the necklace in the pilot. No, I'm pretty sure this is Jack Rabbit's palace. Have you and your friends been arguing about Twin Peaks filming locations? Argue no more. Blue Rose Mag, issue six. We have all the Twin Peaks filming locations for you to know. So that's where they found Laura Palmer's body. BlueRoseMag.com You've got the new issue out, uh, issue six, and then you've also got another issue you've been promoting too about the, the women of Lynch. Do you want to talk about uh, number six and seven? Yes. I am so excited for really this whole second year. I, I love our second year. It's not that I don't love our first year, but I feel like we've grown so much. I guess I just put you guys on the spot, but I mean, you're seeing it as readers. I mean, do you feel that we are maturing as as I, these issues are going along? I oh, would say so. I definitely yeah. think so. And I... and. I, I look at it too, and it feels like you're trying to cram more in. Like you guys are getting so good, <laughs> and yet you're still trying to like cram as much as you possibly can into a magazine. And I'm like, wow. It's like <laughs> the newest one, I loved it because being at the house, at the the Palmer house physically, and now reading the article and seeing the photos brings uh, back the memories. Yeah. And it's a great keepsake for someone like me or anybody who's been there, but also for people who've never been. This is. I think you guys did a fantastic job of capturing the uh, mood and giving people something to look forward to if they ever go up there. Yeah, and I love where the, the locations, which, you know, yes. we, we it was a, 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 almost a year ago. Was it almost a year ago we were at the festival uh, in Washington? Yeah. And Scott Ryan was our tour guide. We had missed the tour bus. Well, Ben's missing <laughs> one key moment, though. Oh, am I? Yes. Ben had the placemat from the Double oh, R yes. Diner. I still have that picture. And oh. Ben was going to use that as his, his math. That's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It was correct. Kids drew it. And Ben's like, I'm I taking this and I'm going. I, I know. I think I should take it seriously. Maybe I shouldn't have taken it so seriously. <laughs> and Scott. really took it seriously. And I believe it was me who said, dude, it's a placemat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ben's walking around the placemat and Scott's like, you should give that to the, the, the pilot when you're leaving. I got a map for you. <laughs> I, know, I get I lost in paper bag. We our time having poor oh. Mary Hutter do all those GPS coordinates. <laughs> yeah, this is so cool. So you could have just had a little kid draw placement. Oh. Ben would have been like, I have the key to it all. You'd open up the page and just be a uh, kid's drew the placemat. Here's the map of Twin Peaks. <laughs> I should have put that in Ben's uh, copy. Uh, oh. That would have been hilarious. Uh, but yeah, in this um, issue, you have coordinates. I mean, I love the detail. You give it all the addresses, but then the coordinates to where the locations are. And yeah. it's like, it's great detail. I would, never mind all the other great articles. This alone is worth getting. Just if you want to, if you actually go to Washington and you want to know where the sites are. I mean, this is Just go amazing. to BlueRoseMag.com and, and subscribe and get this issue. Because we've gotten emails from from people we saying recently, we, we got recently and I was just like, ooh, I could tell them, go get this magazine and they'll know where everything is. Well, yeah, and Mary Hutter is like a super Twin Peaks fan. She is, she's who we had do it. I mean, I had been to those locations and all the pictures are ones that Jenna, my wife Jen and I took, but I knew Mary would do it right and know where everything was and we also passed all of the addresses by Sabrina Sutherland as well because we didn't want to print anything that we shouldn't print. You know, we don't give any home addresses. Yeah. Um, we're not trying to have people 
ruin these places. These are all public places that you can go. And we put in there, you know, in between two worlds and in the articles, like, be respectful. But Twin Peaks fans, I think, are always respectful of that. Yes. And, mm-hmm. and they're not, like, pushing people aside to, you know, tear down Jack Rabbit's palace or something. Yeah. Right. So, um... Yeah, me- mentioning this- Jack Rabbit, that was one of the things we... We were in the woods, but somehow I missed it. We ne- I never saw Well, Jack- none of us knew about it. That's yeah, true. We didn't know about it. That's a good we point. There. Some people the- got a photo of it just saying, that's cool. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the episode aired, and everybody's on Facebook posting going... I had a good feeling about this, and uh, they took a photo of it just off chance. We gotta go yep, again, that, Brian, just so I can. Happened to us actually. Uh, Jen just thought that was a cool area, and she snapped a picture. And I think that picture went in issue four, <laughs> and mm-hmm. we didn't know. It wow. was just luck. That is awesome. What did you guys think of John Paricello's article? I thought it was funny. So he, he didn't reveal anything. I mean, like he purposely, I think, said that he didn't want to give away. Uh, is it uh, Inland Empire? And so I thought he had a lot of fun with it and stuff. I liked it. I haven't gotten to it, so I can't say anything. I laughed so hard when I read it the first time that my wife came into the room to see what I was doing. And I'm like, I'm reading an article for the Blue Rose. <laughs> <laughs> and I just loved it. I It's really one of my favorite things we've ever published. And I just, because I like comedy anyway, that's sort of more my style than anything else and it's just it's a brilliant piece so if you guys haven't read that yet and how did you get john to to, to do this how did he end up reviewing inland empire (laughs) well i interviewed him for the blue rose uh it's going to be an issue nine and in it we were talking about different Lynch films. You know, we had a really great talk. And in it, he said, I hate to admit this, but I've never seen Inland Empire. And I immediately put on my <laughs> magazine editor hat. And I said, <laughs> well, how do you feel about watching it and then writing about the experience? Wow. Because I said, it, how interesting to have someone who had worked f- with Lynch get to watch something they had never seen. It just seemed like an interesting way in. And he said, well... You asking me scares me, and I like to do things that scare me, so mm. I'll do it. Awesome. And I didn't know what he was going to turn in, and then when I read it, I just it was perfect. It, I think it could be a, a monthly or when you ever put one out, a new segment, have a celebrity review a David Lynch film. That'd be great. I know. I tone. was actually kind of hoping to get John to do another one, but I feel like... He wrote this article in such a way that so he wouldn't have to uh, ever do another one. Amy Shields, uh, I feel like she'd be good. If you're listening, Amy, <laughs> you should do one. Well, Amy writes for issue seven uh-huh. for the Women of Lynch. And this happened because we needed someone to do the Diane Ladd part from Wild at Heart. And I, you know, Wild at Heart. I just love that movie so much. And Diane's performance is is so brave. And I was talking to Courtney about it, and I was like, I feel like we need to focus... Because everyone else is about the character. It's not like we're talking about the actors. We're talking about the character. But for that part, it just seemed different. And I said, what if we ask Amy Shields to do it? <laughs> I don't even know why. Wow. I just thought, she'll probably say no. And 
she emailed me back like in three minutes and was like, yep, I'll do it. I love Wildheart. Uh, and, it, and it's phenomenal. And she she focuses on the character, but also the bravado of that performance, which I think is the performance of Wild at Heart. I mean, it, it's amazing what Diane Ladd does. So Amy is a savior. She is so kind to the Blue Rose. I just, I love Amy. You know, I think, so I think every issue you've done is more ambitious and I'm impressed at how much you're able to get in, into one magazine. And then you have issue seven, which you already started talking about, but you're having, you're focused on 40 essays, 40 characters. <laughs> I wow. cannot believe this. How are you going to cram all this into one issue? Oh, it's pretty stupid. Um, <laughs> and this is an idea you've had probably since the beginning of this magazine, right? You've had this yeah, idea. Yeah, like it really, I, I, and this is even shows you how stupid I really was when I started this magazine. I wanted it to be issue two. Oh, my <laughs> wow. gosh. I can't imagine. So I had it very early on because I'm like, oh, well, we'll do one. Because if you remember, when we started the Blue Rose, there was no, Twin Peaks hadn't started yet. It was yes. in mm. the lead up. All we had was Mark Frost's Secret History. And so we didn't really know what to cover. And I had, I've always been annoyed at how critics have said that Lynch has bad female characters. Now, I remember the classic quote was a critic said, oh, what actress is Lynch torturing now? That's when he was right. talking about Naomi yeah. Watts in Mulholland Drive. And it's like, oh, what, torturing her with an Oscar nomination? <laughs> <laughs> and so I wanted to really focus on that, but I thought it had to be women that did it because that's really the look like these are women writers women scholars who are looking at these female characters created by a man and what do what does that say and we have 10 different writers all mm. from different walks of life and they just they give of their hearts um laura stewart who is the editor of 25 years later she's a mother and i think that is something that matters to her. So when she does the Lula essay, she focuses so much on Lula being a mom and you don't think about that. But of course she is pregnant throughout the film. Mm. And then in the end she has a kid, but I've never thought of Lula as a mom. Yeah. And I wouldn't have, I'd never wrote, I, there's no way I would have written the essay that Laura wrote. And so I think people are going to be moved by what, these female writers have come up with. I have had very little to do with Seven. This all goes to Courtney and these these female writers. And I don't know. I'm loving this issue. I think this is what the Blue Rose will be remembered for. Very special. Very so cool. cool. And this is a um, it's a special issue. It's there's more pages than usual, right? Too. So this is a yeah. it's like a book. We it's had to. <laughs> Yeah, and I think if I if I remember right, if you if you buy a subscription, you'll get a, basically a, a discount on this issue, and if it'll correct be more if expensive, you, we stupidly set the <laughs> subscription price for not extended issues, but then both years we've done extended issues, so we <laughs> always go in the hole with these issues. Uh. But that's kind of like. That's the good part of subscribing, and I'm not going to raise the price backwards now. I mean, that's sort of what, that's how it is. Because Blake is doing this cover, Blake Morrow is doing this cover that's going to knock everyone's socks off. It's like a Vanity Fair cover. We're getting the magazine coded in the same coating that a Vanity Fair issue gets. Wow. Which is, you know, like another thing that we're doing. I think it's hilarious. Like Twin Peaks is fading away, 
and like I'm the genius businessman. What if we spend more money? Yeah, I know what to do. <laughs> Code the pages. <laughs> but I want it to look. It it has to be special. Yeah, I just I feel like with all that's going on with the hashtag Me Too and just all that's going on in the world, I think this is a great opportunity for us to pay tribute to what Lynch has done. And but more than that, all these actresses like Grace and Brisky and Laura Dern. And, you know, Cheryl Lee, who I met once and all of these <laughs> things. So I don't know. I'm 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 just so proud of what these everyone did. And Courtney was phenomenal. And, you know, I mean, in your recent uh, Red Room podcast, you had some of the writers on. So I think if people wanted more of a sneak peek at the uh, issue, I would recommend check out the Red Room podcast. Yes, and yeah, that's episode, I think, 152, and we had them all on except Erica, and right now I can't think of what Erica's last name is, um, but Erica does not speak English, uh, so oh. I didn't think that would be, you know, the best person to have on <laughs> on a podcast, so we had Courtney speak for Erica. She it writes about Erica Perito. She's from Brazil, and she is a transgender, and we wanted a transgender person to write about Denise Bryson. Hmm. Oh, cool. That's awesome. And Courtney, in her amazing way, found a Brazilian, because we had to find a transgender who liked Twin Peaks who could write. <laughs> there are many out there. She really yeah. shares of her own personal experience and being a transgender, how Denise mattered to her when she first discovered it in season two and you know it's it's again a very different essay but um it's beautiful what twin peaks does for people yeah yeah that's so cool that's pretty exciting though i know and that's coming out in august right yes that'll be in august it's shorter time because last year we had an issue come out in december and um you may not know this but the post office is really busy in December. Yes. <laughs> that was stupid. Uh, <laughs> Again, we're learning. We're learning as we go along. Oh, I told man. John. Um, yeah, no more issues in December. Yeah. That is never yeah. happening again. Wow. So we had to move a month. So we've actually been working on the Women of Lynch since December because it's a very different kind of issue. And so I said, well, let's make up the two months there. So there's actually only going to be two months in between issues so wow wow and so uh, i'm so i love john thorne's essays and i love what you i mean sometimes you have your uh your music that you do column are we getting none of that is it really is there no i can't even see how yes, there's room. we're getting none of that in issue seven yeah i can't see yeah john and i are not writing in uh issue seven it's it's only the females are writing the the essays 40 essays 40 essays i don't know how he's room to do anything else yeah <laughs> Wow. Well, we actually do have interviews. I interviewed Charlotte Stewart. We had to have her in it because, to me, Charlotte is the matron of mm-hmm. of the whole Twin Peaks world. I agree. And she's my friend. And mm. to me, that's crazy. Like, <laughs> like I know, you know, I mean, I can kind of email Amy Shields. And, you know, one time I met Cheryl Lee. <laughs> Charlotte is my friend. And mm. that... That's a gift that I really appreciate, and she was so kind. So I do do that interview, but that's all that that I do in seven. Oh, oh no, wait a minute, that's a lie. I interviewed Piper Laurie. 
What? Wow. Did you really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. I <laughs> How did you forget that? Jeez. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, we have Piper Laurie in issue wow, seven. Wow, that is awesome. Gosh, is that and not she's, ridiculous? Wow. And she's been kind of quiet. I mean, like we don't. I don't see her do many interviews. And no. Oh. Um, I, I actually strangely got her through thirty something. If you can imagine that, I'm gonna plug all my stuff. There you go. But yeah. Your thirty the, something book. Yeah, my, from my thirty something book, uh, one of the actresses on thirty something became a director. She directs feature films, Melanie Mayron. She directed a new movie with Piper Laurie. And they they came to me to say, would you like to do something with this? And I'm like, Piper Laurie, are you kidding me? <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. yeah. So I talked to Piper for about 45 minutes. And I was a nervous wreck. I mean, I was... I, I just respect her so much. And she remembered everything about Twin Peaks. I mean, we had a great conversation. And there's a Q&A with her in issue seven. I mean, Piper Laurie's in the magazine. Wow. That's huge. That's ridiculous. Subscribe, wow. subscribe. So you got two interviews and you've got 40 essays in issue seven. Well, we have four interviews, I think. We have Cheryl Lee, Sabrina Sutherland, Charlotte Stewart, and Piper Laurie. Wow. But they're just Q and A's, so they're just one page. They're not like a normal blue rose sure. full on. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is awesome. It's gonna make a phone book to get a couple of plastic bags. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't expect a whole lot of pictures in issue seven. We are, we are. Uh, Courtney's designing it, but normally we like to have a lot of pictures. And you're right, Ben. I mean, we are forcing too much into these, and that's one. Of, we had a meeting the other week, and I said, guys, we're putting too much in these issues like we need to throttle back a little bit because you know you've got to have some space for pictures and things but we just get excited you know yeah, i yeah. love it i mean i think it's great that you all the content you've given us i'm not saying get rid of the content i think ben's <laughs> saying get rid of the content No, no. <laughs> it's good stuff yeah well, well I, I did think it would be funny if in issue eight the first five pages were Cheryl Lee, and then the rest of it just said screw you i met Cheryl Lee." Uh, <laughs> nice nice <laughs> that would be great Wow. And I'm looking forward to seeing what this cover is for issue seven. I'm really excited about uh, what they're going to do with it. Yeah. Well, I, I will tell you, I haven't seen the final because um, Blake is a perfectionist and he is just working on every small detail. But he sent me a rough draft. And when I saw it, I cried. Oh. Wow. His work is fantastic. Like, it's beautiful. Have yeah. you guys seen his art? Yes, I have. I, when, at he the had fest. it. He had, at the fest. He had that, and I want. I would have bought it there, but I was. I knew I wouldn't make it home with it. Was it. Ex- yeah, it was tough because where would you put it on the plane? And yeah, and I just destroy it. everything. But I should. I would like to. I would love to own his work because it's just amazing. He he gets these models, and he, I didn't even realize he photoshops it. I'm just thinking he just goes to us somewhere and shoots this. No, no, this- no. He builds. He builds it brick by brick, almost like uh, it yeah. is. I mean, he is incredible. And it, it was funny. I talked about this on the Red Room when I interviewed him. I asked him if he remembered meeting me because, as you guys know, sometimes I can be a bit much. But <laughs> he was in the, the Double R Diner hanging his work, and I just went right up to him and said, would you do a cover for the Blue Rose magazine? Uh... Like, not hi, I'm Scott. You know, <laughs> hey, what are you doing here? Like, I just saw his stuff, and I was like, I want you to do this cover because I was already thinking about yeah. the one with Lynch then. And I just knew, like, this is what I wanted. Yeah. And he really did it. When I saw it, I was like, yes, this is this is the tribute. Uh, um, 
That's it's awesome. He's he's phenomenal. I mean, aren't Twin Peaks fans the most creative they really people are. in the world? Definitely. I know when we saw him, I said, I want a coffee book. I don't know if he could do that, but I would love to have something that I could just open up and look because he does have some beautiful work. So yeah. I can't wait to you see know, what I've been trying. Talk. That's, you know, with the new publisher company. I have said to Blake many, many times, like, you just tell me when and I will publish this. Like, I want a coffee book too and I yeah. want to do yeah. it. I'm hoping that. And I'll pre-order it. <laughs> yeah, maybe if he hit enough pre-orders, he'll do it. Yeah, I, I mean, we are giving $2 from every issue and every Kindle issue to Blake because he put his own money into that cover because we wow. don't have a budget. And wow. we're trying to, to pay him back as best we can because he had to pay all the models. I mean, he had, like, when you guys see this cover, you're going to flip. Oh. I mean, it's... I mean, it's ridiculous that our little rinky-dink magazine is pulling off, like, Piper Laurie and and um, this cover. Like, I'm just... That's awesome. I'm really grateful to subscribers and and all of these people. And you guys have done so much for us. It, it really helps. So thank and you do the same thing. I think, we, I think we help each other out. That's what friends are for. Yeah, right? definitely. The same way. It's tough. And uh, I, I love the magazine. I think it's uh, in the spirit of Wrapped in Plastic, it kind of lives on. And uh, I, I love that you're doing this. And I, I, like I said, I'm impressed every issue. I'm more impressed. Like, how the heck are they doing this? And then, and then, I don't know. <laughs> and then the craziest thing is, like, you're, so you're doing this, and then you're thinking, like, two issues beyond, like, four months, five months, <laughs> six months. But you're, you're thinking this far ahead. It's like. Well, we have to. Yeah. And that's what's really crazy about it. Someone just contacted me and wanted to write something for us and he he gave a really good pitch and everything and I said you know maybe we're looking now at May 2019 wow <laughs> I, I that's mean, a year basically a year from now wow yeah because we have to do it that way because otherwise there would be empty pages and now we're a machine we're just you know it's just rolling like the time comes in fact I have to get Courtney a couple paragraphs for the Between Two Worlds that sort of introduces her as being the managing editor, and hmm. it's due in two days. So oh, I don't boy. have a whole lot of time. John and we're and taking up your writing t- something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's good stuff. Uh, do you want to share anything else with us before we go? I mean, so you've got you've got your books, you've got the magazines, you've got your dreams of all come true. I know it's so funny because I had to convince you to let me come on the podcast. <laughs> And I was using the Dave book as a, it was very nice of you to talk about the Dave book. Uh, I mean, maybe later you're editing it out. I, no, I no. But like, I didn't want to say, listen, I got to tell you something. Uh, but I knew I like, I had this and it was, I think like as a society, we are so quick to post everything we feel and think on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. And to sit on something that really mattered to me for whatever. Now it's about six months. It was interesting and it felt old school and it felt right because it, I mean, whether it's stupid or not, I can't say, but it mattered to me that Cheryl Lee listened to me talk Mm. about Twin Peaks Mm, and that we talked together and it, it's uh, going to be the highlight. Uh, There's no special doubt moment you'll have forever. And yeah, you're going to make me cry. Yeah, Ben's <laughs> no, crying over here. <laughs> yeah, but if we're, um, uh, and she, when you talk, she listens to you. Like, she put everything, you know, she just looks at you, like, right through you. Like, you could really see 
how she could be Laura Palmer because she doesn't she doesn't half-ass anything. Yeah. Like she's, oh, yeah. she's so present. It was awesome. And I did make her laugh once. So oh, there you go. <laughs> That's all you needed. Scott's divorcing his wife right now. Scott's divorcing his wife now. He's got her now. So, uh, <laughs> and, you know, we would have you on every week if we could have you on. So it's just... Uh, <laughs> I, I, it's always trying to find the right thing to talk to you about and stuff. And we get John on and John uh, Thorne there talks about the magazine. Well, you it, know, and I forgot one of the jokes I wanted to make when we started. <laughs> I, I had the prenup one set up is I thought about preparing a scene because I know you guys are having people act out Twin Peaks now. Yes. So I wanted to start off like uh, saying, you know, Jerry, that's the new girl. What, do I have to act to be on the show? I had prepared some lines. But I, you know, uh, I forgot. Next time. Next time. That's uh, no, good. <laughs> and, you know, thank you guys for being on our 150th episode. We did a little snaky, snaky thing. Yeah. Uh, that was fun. That was a great episode. People. I love to tease you guys that it's taken you nine years <laughs> to do that. It took us like only half an hour to record that one little thing. We were giggling. Yeah, we couldn't come up with the right way to say it. Oh, I thought it worked out perfect. And I still say, I I I can't believe how, like, you guys are, like, always on top of your game. You guys are always very professional, and I just love the quality of that show. Well, thank you. I mean, it is a very, uh, that's what I always say, like, I have to misbehave on your show. That's why I love hosting your year-end show, because I get to be a jackass, and that's what I do best. (laughs) That's my strong suit, uh, is being a jackass. I mean, I think it is ridiculous now that people are requesting that the Blue Rose post the stamping videos of me, like, dancing to a pop song. Yes! That's great! I love it! Like, (laughs) I was just doing that to be silly and spread the word. And now people, like, I tweeted out just a picture when the magazines came this time. Uh. And someone's like, no singing? Where's the singing? Right. <laughs> I I will retweet every time you do a video like that. <laughs> Those are great. I love it. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, we do have to do all that. And, you know, it, it takes some time. So you might as well be dancing to some Daryl Hall or Michael Jackson or Billy Joel or whoever you definitely. got. Yeah. Well, you know, Scott, long before uh, Twin Peaks Unwrap was around, I was listening to the Red Room podcast and I've always loved your work, and I'm excited for your journey and what you're doing next. And uh, I thank you for being on the show. Oh, you guys are both always so kind to me. And, you know, whenever I hear that society is not being kind to each other, I just think about what we've done between Josh and, and you guys, but even bigger than that with Maya and Peter Dom and mm-hmm. everyone, you know, this whole yeah. Twin Peaks world and Brad Dukes and, you know, all these people. Like, there really is kindness out there. Yeah. And, and I, I count you guys as, as really good friends. Uh, same. Same, uh-huh. yeah. Well, check out the bluerosemag.com. Subscribe. Get your Woman of Lynch issue. And get the Last Days of Letterman book that comes out this fall. And you can subscribe to us at Twin, Pe- uh, Twin Peaks Unwrapped at Podbean on iTunes, Spotify. Give us an email, twinpeaksunwrapped at gmail.com. Give us a five-star re- review on iTunes. And with that being all said, um, we'll see you guys next week. See you next week. Now listen to this. This is going to be special, very special. Our next guest, a seven-time Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter and guitar player. 
Tomorrow, he will be inducting the late Stevie Ray Vaughan into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But, yep, now listen, he's doing us a huge favor here tonight. We asked him, would you be interested in performing this song? And he said, well, uh, I, I got to get in some road work. I got to get in shape. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of a beast, but I'll give it a shot. So he's going to do it for us tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, performing along with Paul and the kids in the band, American Pie, here's John Mayer. A long, long time ago I can still remember How that music used to make me smile And I knew if I had my chance That I could make those people dance And maybe they'd be happy for a while February made me shiver With every paper I delivered Bad news on the doorstep I couldn't take one more step And I can't remember if I cried When I read about his widowed bride Something touched me deep inside The day the music died So bye, bye, Miss American Pie Drove my Chevy to the levee But the levee was dry And the good old boys were drinking whiskey and rye Singing this will be the day that I die This will be the day that I die Did you write the book of love? Faith in God above If the Bible tells you so Do you believe in a rock and roll? Can music save your mortal soul? And can you teach me how to dance real slow? Well, I know that you're in love with him Cause I saw you dancing Yeah. 
church bells are were broken And the three men I admire the most The Father, Son, and Holy Ghost Well, they caught the last train for the coast The day the music died And they were singing by Miss American Pie Drove my Chevy to the levee But the levee was dry And them good old boys Were drinking whiskey and rye Singing this will be the day that I die This will be the day that I die So bye, bye Miss American Pie Drove Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry. And them good old boys were drinking whiskey and rye, singing, This will be the day that I die. Oh my. Wonderful. Just wonderful, John. You all right? You need to sit down? <laughs> John Mayer, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, everybody. Really, really very nice of you. God bless you, sir. That was fun. It's John Mayer. Thank you for watching. Do you guys have your phones in front of you? Yeah. Sure. Sure. Okay. I want you to take a look at your phone. Are we going to do a magic trick right now? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're David yes. blaming us all If you ask me, is there something related to Twin Peaks on the phone, I will say yes. yes. Yeah, so take a look at your phone. Yeah. You guys should have a tech. Um, this, is, this is dead air, but people love it. I'll cut this out. <laughs> uh, I have no texts from you. A few moments later. It's coming. All right. Because while it's coming, I'll just say this is what I've been up to. And um, I've been dying to tell you. Oh, oh. Six and a half hours later. It's downloading. I know. It's never it's been this two, slow. 2.4 you know, megabytes You know, here. in a normal circumstance, we'd get this instantly. But because yes, right. we're on a show... I know it. It's fun. <laughs> play a little Twin Peaks music. How come, how come we both can't get it? A few moments later. Isn't that weird? It's the it's internet here. Is... What? It's not coming through. This was like my big plan. This is why I'm here. Hold on. Three days later. Is there, is, are you tricking us? Is this just an image of downloading? <laughs> is this just an image? That would be killer, Scott. Did you awesome. just send us an image? <laughs> An image of nothing. Yeah. I, I'm trying to kill the show from the top. Yeah. You did, you did you uh, this actually... This is my gift, because I'm so concerned. All right, hold okay. on. I'll, I'll, I'll shut up the else. Wi-Fi, turn it back on, and hope that it's, uh, it fixes it. 3.28 a.m. Yes. Uh, but I'm going to send it as an email. I just want to be sure I have the... Yeah, send us an email. Maybe that'd be better. Okay. And now, the two hardest working guys in podcasting. Ben and Brian. And now, the number one and number two car salesman in the tri-state area, Ben and Brian. And get the David Lynch, the last days of David Letterman.
Very you'll good, edit Ben. That. I'll edit, edit that. He's so close. I'll get, I'll, I'll get. get one more time, more He's time. He's so close. I remember Paul Frost, who was... Uh, <laughs> Paul Frost! <laughs> he was the band leader? Paul it was Paul Frost and David Lynch. Damn! <laughs> Paul uh, Frost. <laughs> what am I going to play for you today, Dave? <laughs> it's it's right. another version of yeah. Mr. Snooty. <laughs> and uh, Attack of the Pine Weasel. <laughs> All from. Uh, <laughs> Let's play that song over uh, and over. And get the last days of.